0: If our God is for us, who could stand against us? Amen? Oh, my gosh. You know, this message that God has just driven home, it kind of bounces off last week. But when we look at the power that our Lord has, our Father in heaven, it's like, why aren't, we, why aren't we acting more in what he wants us to do? Because if we don't do it now, then when are we? You know, last week I talked about, boy, we are in, I believe, a cultural Armageddon. That the Antichrist I was sharing with you, that I believe is not the, there's not an actual person walking around today that's the Antichrist at this point, but it's, the, it's our culture globally at large, a culture of the world that is in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. The trials we're facing, obviously, we just, all you got to do is look on the internet or on the evening news and you'll find out they're just increasing and they're getting more severe. God's people, I remember sharing with them, we just got to turn immediately back, humble ourselves before our Father and go and and just restore whatever it is within us back to Him. And then we start talking about how do we live in a Armageddon culture, a culture that's just going totally opposite from God. And I share with you a scripture verse, and I hope you memorized it. And if you haven't, here's your chance again to do it. John 3.30 he must increase, I must decrease. And again, when you look at that, you sit there and consider what a powerful, and boy, is it counter, counter-cultural statement. Because you see, friends, wherever you are, whatever our role is here in the body of Christ, no matter how vast or minor your ministry may be, okay, if Jesus is central to us, central in our lives, and where we can say he's increasing and I'm decreasing, that's where our strength will come from. That's where our patience will come. That's where our eyes will be open and see more of the immorality that we see going all around us, all those misguided and false statements against God and those that call themselves Christ followers. What you do and what you learn is that while he increases, you let him start handling more of it. So today, I want to talk about Well, where do we begin then? I mean, how do we proceed with more of him and less of me? Well, you know, in the early years of my life, I read a lot of self-help books, you know. I attended seminars to be all that I could be. So I, I can unlock the potential inside of me. Maybe some of you have done the same thing. You know, most of the books and most of the seminars were surrounded by this one word, motivation. They try to motivate me to move from the life that I was living to a more uh, challenging and, and hopefully a more rewarding life. If I were to probably sum up all the motivational seminars and books, and everything I, I partook, the catalyst was to get Paul moving. This is what it was. Paul saying to himself, Paul, if not now, then when? That's right the time to act is now. Paul, your one and only life is passing you by. Have you ever asked yourself that or ever said that to yourselves? You know, God imparted a word for me to share with all of you. He told me, you know, my people right now desperately need a breakthrough in their lives. He said, well, they just need to, to know that, that I am for them. They need a breakthrough. We need breakthroughs in our personal lives. He goes, there's so many people de- dealing with addictions. He goes, whether it's, it's drinking or drugs or pornography, whatever it is, so many of my people are walking around with past baggage, things that happened in the past, and they're still carrying them around with them. There are people with those emotional scars, and they've yet to be healed. There's fr- I, I got my family out there. He's saying, Jesus, God's good. They're, they're in financial crisis. They're worried, anxiety. He goes, what they need is, what they need a breakthrough in is a deeper connection with me, more reliance, thirst for more of me in their lives, where they're going, not my will, Lord, but your will. That's what they need more of. They need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit like never before. So maybe you're asking, okay, when are, so when are, maybe you've asked this, when are some of these areas in my life, when are they going to start happening? You know, I mean, how do I know? I mean, if, if, if not now, but then when? I mean, when's this stuff going to start happening for me? Well, you remember the story of Israel. Remember, they were held for slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and then God rescued them. You remember the story of the 12 plagues, and they did all that, and the famous line, let my people go. And eventually, I mean, can you hear God just saying that now, though? And you're like, God just saying, let my people go the whole of the world on them. Remember, he took them from Egypt through the Red Sea, out into the wilderness, into the promised land. Look, as I talk, this, I want you, I'm want i going to be using this, this Egypt and Red Sea and all that because I want you to understand Egypt is just that representation. Jeff's taught us about this. This is, I call it, it's the world we live in. This is where they came from. 400 years, generations of kids and families were raised in Egypt. And eventually when they heard about God, and God said, let my people go, they had the opportunity. He parted the Red Sea, which was like a baptism. They were able to go through the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness and they wandered around until eventually God said, it's time to cross into the promised land. I just wanted, friends, this story really portrays our movement towards God. There's some of us, well, we're still in Egypt. We're still caught up, or let me just say, we're kind of like the Egyptians, you're kind of we're still slaves to the influence of the world that's around us. We're living lives in pursuit of what, well, what Egypt says it will, will fulfill us, okay, bring us purpose. You know, Egypt says, hey, listen, if you pursue notoriety, if you pursue power, okay, financial gain, I mean, listen, if you live in that neighborhood over there. Or boy, you drive that car with that emblem on the hood. Hey, I see that and get that right designer handbag (laughs) and the shoes. Hey, you've made it. Then there's those of us who have been freed from the Egyptian occupation, that through the mercy and grace of God, the Red Sea parted for us. God called you out. You repented. You made a decision to do the 90-degree turn you know, you went from Egypt, you made a 90-degree turn, and to the best of your knowledge at the time, you, you, bought, you gave a knee to Jesus Christ as you stood there before him and said, you know what, I don't know a whole lot about you, but, you know, I, I, I've been hearing what, what you can do and how you can change my life, so to the best of my ability, I'm going to start following you. So we go from leaving Egypt, and we start and we make this 90-degree turn. And because you did, the Red Sea parted. Now it's allowing you access to the promised land. It's offering you this opportunity to have a relationship with our creator. In other words, the unseen world all of a sudden is starting to be unveiled to you. All of a sudden you start realizing once you've walked out of Egypt and you start walking towards God and his word and his teachings and everything, all of a sudden you see, oh, you may have seen for the first time that our struggle really, you know, it really isn't against flesh and blood. But it's against rulers. It's against principalities, authorities, against the powers of the dark world. It's against spiritual forces in heavenly places. You never saw that before until you actually were baptized and come through. Then there's others, and I think many Christians I I have, they've crossed through the Red Sea. Now you're in the wilderness, okay? You may have just arrived in the wilderness, all right? Or maybe you've been there for a period of time, just like the Israelites, See, the, what the advantage of the wilderness is, is when you leave Egypt, you go through the Red Sea and get baptized, now you're out in the wilderness, and this is where you learn who God is. You learn about how you can rely on him, how you can trust him. Friends, it, it, when you're out in this wilderness, it's not a time to be rushed. It's a time of preparation, a time to be discipled, a time to prepare you ultimately for God. what God created you for. It's where actually your trust in God is developed. It's where he teaches you that he's faithful and that you can trust his promises. It's where, where your struggles with trusting his commands and promises, they're actually developed out there. Like give me, Let me give you an example. Um, it's like uh, when you find yourself struggling right, with a financial situation. Maybe right now you're looking around and you're going, oh my goodness, you know, I, I, I'm on a retirement income. All right? And boy, my 401 has gone south on me, and you know, you're getting a little worried financially. Well, a promise that Jesus made here in Matthew 6 says, Give, and it'll be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you in return. In other words, are you standing on the promises of God? Do you lean into what He's saying? Do you trust? Do you trust the promises of God? You you understand, right? A promise is only as good as the person that gives it to you. Any of you ever made a promise to somebody and not kept it? Thank you for being honest, for those of you. God doesn't break his promises. God keeps his promises. You can trust a promise just like the one I just read you. So my question is, if not now, then when are you going to start trusting in the promises that God has given to all of us? How about when the stresses and pressure of life, and the pressures of life are just becoming overwhelming? Well, Jesus says here in Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your soul, for my yoke is comfortable, my burden is light. If not now, you got it, then when? Ah, uh, you know what Paul, you, you don't understand. I may lose my job. that can't happen. Look at I have to I, I, I may have to take a pay cut. okay I mean, Hey Paul, have you been out checking out food prices lately? Have you been looking at all this stuff? What's going on? What does Jesus say in Matthew 6, Another promise. He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things? Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided to you. If not now, and when? You know, time in the wilderness teaches these things that we can trust in him. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? I know what Jesus teaches. But you know what? It's really not the way the world works. Okay? It's not real life. I mean, I've got to live in this world the way it is right now. And Jesus says, Matthew 7, he goes, listen, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they slammed against the house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on a rock. I know you're getting tired of me saying this. If not now, then when? You know, I feel like there's no point in following Jesus. I look around, you know, I really don't have any power to really change anything. You know, I hear and I read of the many things that Jesus and his disciples did, but obviously, that was then. It's not now. John 14, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Because I'm going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Yeah. If not now, then when? Listen, once the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, for those of you that have left Egypt, gone through the Red Sea, have been baptized, have the Holy Spirit come upon you, you understand everything changes. Do you realize, I mean, you gave God permission to start working in your heart, to start changing your situation in life. You know what the Holy Spirit's like? You know, he's called the searcher of hearts. And I just see him. He's got this flashlight, okay? And he's in the dark places in your heart, and he's walking around. <laughs> it's pitch dark, and he looks, he finds something in the corner. Ah. Uh-huh. You've been hanging on to this. You're wondering why you act a certain way. It's because that's been locked away in your heart. And he shines the light on it to start to begin and to bring healing. Look at what Acts says, Acts 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you, that's you and me, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria and the Coachella Valley and on the East Coast in New York City and all the way to the ends of the earth. John 14:26 But the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you Romans 8:26 In the same way the spirit helps us in our weaknesses we don't know what we should pray for but the spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans And then there's the the wonderful benefits of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the gifts of the Holy Spirit found in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then once you cross into the promised land, you become the discipler just like the people we saw here on stage today. Through your actions of faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will empower you to fulfill the actual calling in your life. You will be gifted supernaturally to handle the assignment that God has given you from the the beginning of the world. Lives will be impacted because of you. No, that's right, because of you. The single greatest tragedy of the people of God today is that I I, I truly believe they're missing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if they truly only knew what they were missing, I I, I truly believe they would stop everything. They would just seek, seek him with all their hearts. For apart from the active presence of the Holy Spirit within us, there's no possible way of an individual or a church doing anything but practicing religious activities. Look, you may be very active and involved in your church, but without the fullness of the Spirit, you'll miss the power of God in the situations that you're dealing with. What God is seeking for us is not more activity, but a deeper relationship. Oh, I'm going to say that again. I should have made this, but don't miss this. What God is seeking for us is not more activity. You're hearing me? Not more church activity. He just wants a deeper relationship. Because the deeper, because he's increasing, right? And you're decreasing. Friends, much of what I'm sharing can sound strange to some of you that maybe are still in Egypt and you're watching maybe for the first, second, third time, just checking out this whole Christianity thing. You're in Egypt going, this thing, I don't know, this, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But listen, I just want to encourage you. Look at what the apostle Paul said. First Corinthians 1. He goes, look, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the understanding of those who have understanding I will confound. Where is the wise person? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? Boy, all we got to do is look back over the last few years Man's wisdom has not done us very well. And he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 1.26, Paul says, Consider your calling, brothers and sisters, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Boy, that's, you know, that's exactly what he did in my life. I thought I was so wise. I thought I knew what I was doing. And then God showed me, you know, we'll see how smart you really are and how wise you really are. He took the weak things of the world and was able to show himself through it. Do you want breakthroughs in your life? You've got to break up the hard soil of your life He's got to break up the heart, so I let the Holy Spirit just bring some new life into you. See, so you cultivate the soil of your soul by keeping, keep on seeking him. Keep on asking him. Keep on knocking at the door. Like in Luke, he says, Jesus says, so I say to you, ask. It'll be given to you. Seek. you will find. Knock. It'll be open. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks receives. Finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I, you, I, I'm pretty sure you know this, but if not, you know, many religions of the world search for the answers of the meaning of life. And what they discover is that they, well, they just surmise an appropriate belief system. It's based on human logic, human emotion. Can I tell you that the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is not even close to that? No other religion in the world. No other faith has a supernatural being that lives inside of those who called upon Jesus and baptized in the Holy Spirit that guides and directs and protects. Look, at you know, I, uh, a few years back, I had to go get an MRI. So they slid me in the tube. You know what I found out? Some of you know what I'm going to say. I was claustrophobic. I freaked out. I freaked out out. They slide you in that tube, for those of you who have been there, and it can't be more than six inches from my nose to inside that cylinder tube. You can't move. Your feet are hanging out at the far end. There's no way you're getting out of that thing. And I never realized that I was claustrophobic to that moment. And I started freaking out. And they, are you all right, Mr. Burton? No! <laughs> Get me out of here! They had to pull me out because I was like, man, I, I, I can't handle this. I was just unsure where am I in the same way I gave you that example because, in the same way, unless the Holy Spirit pulls you out of the claustrophobia of the world that you're in, <laughs> you'll never see your surroundings you're 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 inside of a tube you can't see past your nose, just like with the MRI, it was I was absolutely. There was nothing I could do to get myself out. It's the same with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's the one that pulls you out. This the Holy Spirit reveals God to you. Whether you're in Egypt, if you're in the wilderness, or you're in the promised land, all you and I can do is what we see and experience in the physical world. But there's a spiritual reality to which we're all blind, unless the Holy Spirit just reveals it to us. Listen. Recognizing God is not the same as coming to him. Hearing God in your heart is not the same as answering. Working for the kingdom of God does not mean living in the kingdom of God. Don't miss this. Christianity is not believing the truths of the Bible. It's acting upon them and allowing God control of your life. Christianity is not believing the truths of the Bible. It's acting upon them and allowing God control of your life. Friends, those listening, social media, can I tell you, it's time to prepare for rain. You know, there's a story about two farmers who desperately needed rain. said both of them prayed for rain, but only one of them went out and prepared the field to receive it. Which one do you think trusted God to send the rain? The one to prepare the field. Which one are you? God will send the rain when He's ready. But you need to prepare your field to receive it. Maybe you're saying, "Well, Paul, how do I how do I prepare for rain? How do you cultivate the soil of your life in preparation for God's outpouring on you?" How do you break up that unproductive ground, that parts of you that just, boy, this is just not good? How do you overcome personal obstacles to believe God for something bigger than yourself? How do you, how do, you do that? I'm telling you, it's much simpler than you think. You start plowing the ground that God, that God gave you in anticipation of the rain. You just start plowing. You start just start preparing. This is all I got. Well, that's what he gave me. That's all I have in front of me. Because that's all right, just start plowing it. Watch, a new beginning, a new growth. God has breakthroughs for all of us, but it starts by plowing the ground that God gave you and what God gave me. Look, there are three people sitting in your seat right now. One is the person you are at this very moment. The second is the person you could become if you choose not to just wander through the wilderness. And the third is the person you could be for God if you just put your hands to the plow and you just never look back. You just don't look back. You want breakthroughs in your life? You need to throw yourself at Jesus. Just as the woman who desperately just wanted to touch his cloak, you know? Everyone else was swarming around Jesus, but she was the only one that touched him. She was desperate. She was desperate for him. I love this statement from Vance Harner, he said. You know, we sit in church, we listen but we're not overwhelmed with urgency and emergency. The whole matter is one we can take or leave. We're leaning on other things, so we do not touch him, and consequently, his power does not go out into our lives, and we go away empty, while some poor, wretched soul, driven to desperation, simply touches the hem of his garment and is made whole. Friends, If not now, then when? For some of you, it's time today to make the decision to leave Egypt. The scales are falling off your eyes, and you're able to see, maybe for the very first time, the big lie of the world that you always hear me talking about that just tells you, boy, that your self-worth and your security and your satisfaction is just wrapped up in your stuff because it's all about you. Maybe the scales are falling off and you're seeing, oh my gosh, of course it's not true. My fulfillment and happiness isn't coming from there. See, others of you have crossed through the Red Sea, but you've been wandering and wandering and wandering around. Well, it's time to do the 180. <laughs> you went from Egypt. You went 90 degrees and asked Jesus to come into your life and for the forgiveness of your sins. But many of us just never go the full 180 degrees and live on the other side of the cross. We never give 100% to him, live in all of his promises. If you stand in front of the cross, all you see is the cross, okay? And yes, and what it represents, and what it represents in your life. But unless you walk in the power and all those scriptures I shared with you this morning, you got to do the 180. You got to live on the other side of that cross, you got to walk into all the promises. You walk in the shade of that. You walk in the promises of Jesus Christ. Everything changes. Everything changes. If not now, then when? When do the 180? Look at Moses and his generation. You understand this. Never got the opportunity to live in the promised land. Oh, no. Don't you make the same mistake. Enjoy the fruits of the promised land now. Don't continue to feed on the manna of the wilderness. Stop seeking the manna and start seeking the one who sends the manna. Man, that's another good one. Stop seeking the manna, right? Stop seeking the manna and seek the one who sends the manna. You know, some of you have done really well wealth-wise and everything. You don't understand. You're not that smart. You're not that smart. Where do you think you got all these? Where do you think how, why you were blessed? What do you think God gave it to you? Stop seeking that manna and seek the one who sent the manna to you. Now, to those who have crossed into the promised land, the world desperately needs you. Heed the voice of the Holy Spirit with everything you got. Because if you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? The Apostle Paul stated in Romans 8, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your immortal bodies through that spirit who dwells in you. This is an amazing truth that we must not move past too quickly. The powerful Holy Spirit who worked in Jesus' life is the same exact one that's in you. That's why we, that's, what we need, that's what we need today in our culture. Resurrection power is found in the Holy Spirit. And friends, the, the, the degree to which we walk in the Spirit's fullness and then it's power into our lives. And when we do, it just impacts the world around us. Look at what God says here in Zechariah. He says to Zerubbabel, he goes, not by might nor by power, but my spirit, says the Lord of armies. You're sitting there going, well, how can I make these changes? How can I do these things? I feel maybe God's calling me here to, inter- to intercede maybe in my family or this. That. How, how am I He goes, no, oh, no, no. God goes, wait, wait, wait. You're not going to do it by your power. You're not going to do it, or you might. Let me work through you. That's where the changes are going to happen. And as I look around today at our world, it's time for action. (laughs) It just is. Can I tell you, it's time to kick the dust of Egypt off our feet. (laughs) Let's prepare our hearts to receive a new indwelling of the Holy Spirit, a freshness. Let's turn to him 180 degrees, humbly and with repentance, and let his mercy and grace of Jesus Christ just flow over us. We need the gentle rain. The Holy Spirit many times is just like a gentle rain falling on us. You know, as we close, I'm going to do something a little different today as we close here. I'm going to ask you to do something different that we've never done this church. And, you know, a lot of times I came across this, this song and it just talks about needing the power, the breakthroughs of Jesus. We need him to reign the Holy Spirit down into our lives. And it repeats the same line over and over and over. And I know many times, many of us, including myself, going, oh my gosh, can they please change the, the words? Can I encourage you this morning as we close, as you're repeating for the breakthroughs, Close your eyes as it goes and let the Holy Spirit start revealing to you. Maybe where you need a breakthrough in your life. Maybe it's the point where you take something to him. Tell him, I need you to pour out. I need you to rain your spirit. I need your love. I need your guidance. I need your protection. Whatever area in your life, whether it's your kids or whatever it is, I want you to open up your heart. Maybe and maybe, then, Obviously, we need it for this valley. We need it for our country. I want us to be able to take our rightful places as the sons and daughters of the King of Kings.